Welcome to the History of Rosie Roaring Twenties podcast. Join me for the next few episodes to discuss one of the famous events of the 1920s, the discovery of Tutankhamun's tomb in 1922. It's the 100th anniversary and I'm honoured to be joined by Georgina Dorothy, a historian and archaeologist who has featured on the podcast before. Hi Georgina. Hi Rosie, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Good, good thank you. I'm really excited to be celebrating the centenary of Tutankhamun's discovery. And we're going to have a great time. Let's head to Egypt. Yes, definitely. So we're going to start episode one by looking at the man himself, Howard Carter. So Howard Carter was the person who basically led, he was the archaeologist who led the uh, exhibition to uh, find Tutankhamun's tomb. Um, So Georgina, who was Howard Carter? So Howard Carter was a man that many say could have been the inspiration for Indiana Jones. He he was born in 1874 in Kensington, England, and he was the son of an artist and the youngest of 11 children. He became one of the world's most famous archaeologists, possibly because of the grand discovery that he created, he made of... King Tutankhamun, but his path to archaeology was very different to what it would be today. He had no formal education. He didn't even really go to school. Um, his father was an artist, as mentioned, so he was trained in art by his father, and it was this art that led him into the archaeology world, which is really interesting because. I love art as well, and that led me to find archaeology. Um, so he, age 17, first went to Egypt, and that's when he was um, he was um, sent there by friends of his, the Amherst family. Now they, he'd known the, the Amherst family growing up for throughout his childhood, and that was where he first discovered Egyptian history. And they'd collected lots of antiquities and they sent him, because of his skills with drawing, to Egypt to um, do an archaeological survey for them that they commissioned. Um, and he was a copy artist um, that also the Egyptian Exploration Society funded. And so he was there to help preserve the monuments of Egypt and drew the maps, let's say, the archaeological surveys, drawing the stratigraphy of the tombs that had been discovered at that time. Yeah, he sounds like a really interesting guy. And it's interesting about the art link, because obviously drawing is what got him into archaeology, um, whereas other archaeologists at the time were probably more typical history degree or classically trained in archaeology so it's interesting that he didn't have that background totally he had such a creative mind that actually I think that that served him well how he had the creativity it's known that a lot of uh, artists have quite a wide imagination and I think that maybe led him to think yeah I could find the lost king yeah, so he actually had in his mind that he was going to find Tutankhamun, um, which I didn't know this before I kind of read into him, um, but 
he obviously made other discoveries before uh, Tutankhamun. So obviously you said he went to Egypt at 17, was it? Um, and I believe he was involved in a few other... Ex- I don't know what you would call them. Excavations. Ex- excavations, there we go. Archaeology yeah. term. So he did He did um, work on the Benai Hassan tombs in the 1890s, um, in his late teens. Um, and those those tombs ranged from the first intermediate period um, to the Middle Kingdom of ancient Egypt. And by helping supervise the archaeological work there and um, drawing what was discovered, he was then connected... Um, with the greats of the archaeological world at that time. And he also then, before before this excavation, he was given a three-month apprenticeship at the British Museum, which makes me think that's about how every lost kingdom, the mummy, Indiana Jones, all those films start with, oh, I'm just going to do an apprenticeship at a museum. And... Yeah, so I think this leads to a very good story for Howard Carter. So Howard Carter also worked at um, different archaeological sites, including Amarna, Deir el-Bahari, which sometimes spelt Deir al-Bahari, um, Thebes, we all know Thebes, I'm sure, Edfu and Abu Simbel. And he earned praise for using innovative and modern new methods to draw wall reliefs and other findings. So the artist's techniques really helped. So in 1899, where was it that Howard Carter took uh, appointment? So his role as inspector of antiquities to the Egyptian government began um, after he'd left the archaeological survey. And so he, he was... Though he's lacking in formal education, he's definitely a very intelligent man. He learned Egyptian um, and then became a translator as well, which really helps um, with him working with the Egyptian government and on archaeological surveying. Um, and he was kind of the main man in assessing that um, all the standards were met and the sites were safe. So he was a bit of a health and safety lord, which was great. So as part of Howard Carter's role, uh, he had to deal with tomb robberies. So although tomb robbing was also a big thing back when the Egyptian tombs were first built. So, for example, most tombs did get robbed within the first early years of their life. Um, (laughs) Once they were also rediscovered, a lot of them were re-robbed. So Howard Carter also had to manage this as well. Um, which is obviously a shame, but um, as we go further into the story, you'll actually see a positive thing about Tutankhamun's tomb and tomb rob- robbing. So um, <laughs> we'll get on to that later. Um, but do you want to kind of continue his journey after he left the Antiquities uh, Service in 1905? Yeah, absolutely. So Lord Carnarvon then takes centre stage. He hired Howard Carter in 1907 um, to work for him. Lord Carnarvon um, of Highclere Castle, which many of you might know as Downton Abbey, um, he was fascinated in by Egyptology and with Carnarvon's excessive wealth and backing, 
Parta led the excavation of Egyptian nobles' tombs. And so they then received a licence to dig in Egypt. And that led us to the great king Tutankhamun. Howard Carter also had a role as a chief inspector for Lower Egypt and it was an incident with drunken French tourists in January 1905 that made him lose this position. Not sure quite what happened but it sounds fun. So once Howard Carter and Lord Carnarvon uh, started working together um, in 1909 uh, they found pottery fragments that said Tutankhamun which was a pharaoh who I think at this time he'd actually been written out of um, Egyptian history basically because I'm pretty certain that uh, after his reign his like whoever preceded him actually like scrubbed his name out of the history books um, mm -hmm. and tried to basically make it that he didn't exist um, and obviously they found these pottery fragments um, and Carter was basically convinced that there was another tomb that would be Tutankhamun's tomb um, and he was kind of hell-bent on finding it um, and unfortunately in 1914 which is actually when the license allowed them to start excavations um, World War One broke out so the they were stopped for mm -hmm. four years um, and in this time Howard Carter did stay in Egypt and acted as a translator and in intelligence um, as we said he was really intelligent and he had learned Egypt, Egyptian um, so he worked closely with the British authorities because obviously at this time Egypt was a British colony. Yes exactly Rosie, the Egypt had been part of the British Empire for quite some time during the Victorian era and the Suez Canal had been constructed in 1869 to allow greater connections between Asia, the Middle East and Europe, linking through to the Mediterranean from the Gulf of Aden. And the Suez Canal still continues today as a great transport link for tourism. I've personally been on a cruise going through the Suez Canal and it's quite breathtaking. And then also we get a lot of our um, products from around the world comes through the Suez Canal. I'm sure everyone would be able to look around their room and see something that's come through the Suez Canal, which is quite incredible. Um, and fast forwarding just a few more years, but Egypt was then still part of the British Empire until 1954, which just shows how long that lasted, but also how recent to our own history that is. That was the second year of Queen Elizabeth II's reign where yeah. Egypt gained their independence. Yeah and I think we see kind of during the time of Howard Carter doing his excavations obviously this was in a time where there was a lot of tension in Egypt and uh, also Egypt kind of wanted to make sure things were preserved for themselves not only just to be shipped over to Britain like many objects in certain museums are um, so that's the reason I think uh, once the tomb was excavated and also other tombs why Egypt has managed to keep hold of many of their objects because there was a lot of tension over it at the time and luckily they did manage to preserve their own um, 
objects, although the objects have gone on tour and there has been lots of discussions about where stuff should be, uh, they do currently reside in Egypt. Exactly, and in 2020 to 2022, for the centenary of Tutankhamun's excavation, this has now brought together every single item, hopefully, found in the excavation is now housed in its own special museum, the Grand Egyptian Museum, GEM, which is totally dedicated to the excavation of Tutankhamun's tomb and is the first museum of its of its um, existence, really, um, that has every item found in an archaeological excavation pretty much where it was found, which is great because the amount of times you go to a museum and there's a lot of everything, so you'll get to see the full chronology of Tutankhamun's life and his burial all in one place. Yeah, and for anyone who managed to see him him, I say him, <laughs> to mummy. come in on tour, um, you'll know how incredible the objects and um, just how incredible it was that Howard Carter and Lord Carnarvon actually managed to find um, this discovery um, because it probably is the kind of, I guess one of, like, it is the best discovery mm -hmm. in Egypt um, and obviously when we're talking about Howard Carter and the discovery. So from 1914, when they got the license, obviously we said it stopped for the World, World War One. Um, they didn't start excavations back up until the war was over. So 1918, probably 1919, because we all know First World War ended on the 11th of November, 1918. Um, uh, so 1919 was when they started. And from 1919 to 1922, um, they were pretty much running out of time at this point. Um, it took them five years overall to find this discovery. Um, but by the time we're getting to 1922, well, 1921, they only had the license for one more dig um, or search. So when you say this is incredible discovery, it's not only incredible in terms of what they actually found, but it's amazing that they actually managed to find it because everything was basically set against them, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. And we remember Howard Carter and Lord Carnarvon as the finders of um, Tutankhamun, but it's little known that it was actually a young local water boy who found the first steps. Which which year was that, Rosie? So uh, the water boy stumbled upon the steps on the 4th of November, 1922. On the 4th of November 1922, we see the words appear in Howard Carter's diary, first steps of tomb found. So the 4th of November, it wasn't an exciting day, it was just a normal day, um, but something happened. Uh, basically, he... he um, a young water boy, uh, Hussein Abdul Russell, ran up to Carter with news. Um, Hussein had led his jar-laden donkey onto the site earlier in the morning and the jars had rounded bottoms, so to stand them upright on the ground, he uh, he put them on the ground um, and scooped out hollows in the sand, so you can imagine, you know, just so they wouldn't all fall over and then the water would go everywhere, because as a water boy, your main goal is to give people water. Um, so he'd done this and... 
as he was digging out the hollows for his water, um, he noticed kind of flat stone underneath um, and he'd uncovered the um, kind of top of a step um, which was leading like into the ground. So basically um, Carter had turned up and basically this was the news he was kind of greeted with like the, <laughs> the young, I think he was 12 years old, um, basically saying, I found something. Yeah. Um, and obviously at this point they don't actually know if it's uh, Tutankhamun. Mm -hmm. They just know that they found some steps to a tomb Obviously, in the Valley of the Kings, you could have stumbled upon anything. Uh, there's probably multiple, multiple tombs, and there's still some that probably haven't been discovered yeah. yet. Um, I'd like to go find them, would you? Should yeah, <laughs> should we go? Should we, we need to get some rich fun day. If another <laughs> Earl of somewhere is listening, then, uh, you know, let us know. Yeah, um, I'm a trained archaeologist, <laughs> and we can do this. Yeah, I can just, do, you know, do some admin. I can be the one that does the water, be the water boy for the uh, trip. Um, but yeah, so basically, finding these stairs was obviously, like, the key turnaround moment in the discovery, because up until this moment, they basically had no leads. Um, and by the end of the next day, so the 5th of November, um the workmen had cleared enough um, to uncover the shaft of the stairway um, and to reach the tomb entrance. So by this point, they did know that they had found a tomb entrance mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't just like something weird under the sand or whatever. Um, but the tomb entrance was blocked with like plaster and stones and um, it, you know, like they when they built the tombs, they'd close them up. Um, and although the, you know, most of them are closed up, this still doesn't mean that tomb robbers hadn't got in at some point, um, because they could have unsealed it. So did you know, Rosie, on the doors of many of the tombs, they had necropolis's seals, which basically was like a wax seal, not quite to say that's it, they're done. dead, done, <laughs> everything's in and we're, we're done, we're closed. And that seal was still intact um, for Tutankhamun. So, so no one had ever gone in and robbed him. Yeah. But I guess even at that point, you'd still have to be yeah. sceptical until you walked totally. in. Because you never know if a robber got trapped inside and managed to pass mm. out. So, you know, um, I think at that point, they didn't know what they'd really... Mm. They didn't realise the extent of what they'd stumbled upon no. anyway. And in... We, we know... That in ancient Egyptian history, um, Tutankhamun wasn't one of the most famous kings. He was just a boy king. He ruled from the age of nine to 19 when he died. And so his tomb, though he did enact some brilliant changes um, for the government, um, particularly for the government, um, for, for the country of Egypt, his father was very into a new type of religion. He named um, Tutankhamun after one of the gods. So Tutankhamun was named, um, so Tutankhamun reversed his father's um, changes to society, to Egyptian society that um, had a religious policy. So in the 19th century BC, Tutankhamun changed this, um, which was what he was mostly remembered for. However, because he died at 19, he wasn't due to die no one expected him to die 
So his tomb was not as grand as many of the other kings who spent their whole lives creating their pyramids, creating their grand tombs. So Tutankhamun's is actually quite small in scale compared to many of the other kings who pretty much spent their lives preparing to die, whereas Tutankhamun spent his life living. Yeah, and I think the interesting thing about the fact that Howard Carter found Tutankhamun is that Tutankhamun wouldn't have been famous by any means <laughs> at the point of his death. After his death, he went yeah. largely forgotten. Um, and it's funny now that he's probably the most well-known yeah. uh, Egyptian ruler. I can't... When I think of Egypt, it's the first one that comes into my head. Um, although I you know, know of others, I would say... In my mind, he's probably more famous than Cleopatra. Yeah. Um, I think he's just... Everyone knows about Tutankhamun, which, when you think about it, <laughs> it shouldn't have happened that way. You know, there's others who did a lot more yeah. for society, who were more, you know, important rulers. But mm. because of how this tomb was found, and uh, basically because of the 1922 discovery by Howard Carter and Lord Carnarvon, is why we know about him. Yeah, I think... The only other pharaoh I know is Imhotep from The Mummy. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, Ramesses um, is mentioned in Joseph the Musical. So that, that's the other it's extent. very limited. Yeah. So we were talking about the 4th of November being the date that the kind of steps to the tomb were first discovered. How long from the 4th of November did it take for them to realise they'd actually found something proper? So it did take a couple of weeks actually and by um by about 2 weeks later it was then in the national and international news um from the times to the telegraph to the new york times they were all saying that lord carnarvon and howard carter um had their eyes through to the door and well, apparently they saw wonderful things, as it was quoted by Carter. Um, and they said, As my eyes grew accustomed to the light, details of the room emerged slowly from the mist, strange animals, statues, gold. And Carnarvon said, Can you see anything? And yes, Carter replied, Wonderful things. So the wonderful things he could see were obviously the gold and, you know, the amazing stuff that we know has been found in Tutankhamun's mm -hmm. tomb. Um, but I think it was the uh, day after or, you know, around, maybe that night, um, the, so there's an inner burial chamber, chamber to the tomb and the Egyptian Department of Antiquities, the one that Howard Carter used to work for, mm -hmm. uh, said, do not go in there without Egyptian presence mm -hmm. um, because they were very much overseeing the dig. They uh, were very much you know, had a firm hand on yeah. what could be done and what couldn't be done. Um, but Carter, being Carter, um, and his assistant and uh, Lord Carnarvon and his uh, daughter, who was also present for most of the excavation in the November, Lady Evelyn, uh, apparently did make an unauthorised visit into this burial chamber. Um, so they were actually the first people in modern times to enter the tomb, which... You know, it's it's interesting because obviously they were so keen that they wanted to, but also potentially is that a bit disrespectful to, you know, Egyptian 
the Egyptian officials and also to Tutankhamun, like it is his burial chamber um, to go in there. It's, I don't know, it's a bit of a 50-50. I'm not sure if that was right. <laughs> totally, because were they grave robbers? Probably quite likely um, under many nations' jurisdiction. Um, and they, it was said that there were 5,500 objects in Tutankhamun's tomb. Today, they are known as 5,366, so that's, what, 144 that are missing, potentially, which they do say that Howard Carter potentially was... A bit like fingers. Doing a bit of a, <laughs> doing a, bit of a backhander and taking a couple of items. Um, for one thing, they really thought that they would just find large objects, such as furniture, whether it was the beds, um, the coffins... Um, but also um, just large daily objects um, such as chariots. Well, I used a chariot daily, do you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and chairs and um, beds, etc., um, which are items that grave robbers wouldn't have taken because they're too large to run away with. However, they then found all the small gold objects as well. There were canopic jars, um, and gold statues. Many were even life-size that they've measured from Tutankhamun's mummy and his his bodily remains um which were preserved and wrapped wrapped up in linens um, and cloths they have measured his body compared to the statues and believe that actually many of them are exact life-size images of Tutankhamun so we pretty much can see what he looked like even today i mean it's crazy how much work they put into uh, the tombs of um, the Egyptian kings um, and it's also interesting to kind of note that they did find evidence inside the tomb that there was probably break-ins during mm -hmm. the ancient period you know shortly after Tutankhamun's burial but yet most of the objects were still there mm -hmm. um, so no one's really sure how 5,000 items still were left there because as you said there was Small objects, large objects. Mm -hmm. um, I think Tutankhamun's um, like death mask, the gold mm -hmm. that we all kind of, you know, is the really the famous blue. one, is yeah. like, um, was still there, which is kind of the sort of stuff that, you know, grave robbers would take mm -hmm. anything with a bit of gold on. Um, so it's really interesting um, how many um, objects were still there. Um, and in terms of the timeline of the kind of discovery, it was actually the 29th of November, so a few days after their little illegal break-in, um, that the tomb was kind of officially opened in the presence of dignitaries and Egyptian officials, um, which was kind of, I guess, the protocol at the time. I mean, now I can't imagine that if we found a massive archaeological discovery, we'd be like, oh, King Charles, can you come down and have a look? I think it, you know, that would come after when it's put into a museum. Yeah. But at the time, it was a really big thing mm -hmm. for uh, Egyptians, uh, you know, high up Egyptians to be involved with actually seeing the first stages of a discovery, which is quite crazy um, when you kind of uh, think about it. And also, um, you were kind of saying about how the Times reported about the... Um, discovery so uh in 1923 um Carnarvon actually sold exclusive rights to the times 
um, to report the excavation because obviously when they first announced it, they hadn't actually excavated anything. That was just them kind of notifying. Whereas in uh, 1923, when they officially kind of unveiled it and started the excavation, the Times had the exclusive rights, which actually helped finance um, the excavation, but it also caused a lot of issues because they got exclusive rights. It meant no Egyptian uh, press could have any rights to it. So despite it being an Egyptian discovery, only the Times were allowed to report on it. So it did cause a few issues. I can't believe that, that, yeah, your your own nation country can't even talk about <laughs> one of the hugest discoveries in your nation. That's that's just beyond me. It's, it's really interesting seeing how what archaeology was like in the 20s and then obviously we know that Howard Carter was not formally trained as an archaeologist and yet did this and that's very much the same as um, do you remember Basil Brown who in the 1940s found Sutton Hoo that we've um, many of you might have watched The Dig the film or read the book by um, John Preston and Basil Brown was kind of scrutinised because he wasn't trained as an archaeologist as well. And this is just 20 odd years after Tutankhamun and um, and Howard Carter. And Howard Carter is remembered by every single archaeologist, um, whether you're studying him at university or school, you will know Howard Carter as, an, as a famous archaeologist. But Basil Brown was seen as a bit of a joke, which is a shame. Yeah. Sutton Hoo. And it's actually quite interesting, like you say, um, obviously once this the once they discovered Tutankhamun's tomb, um, Lord Carnarvon and Howard Carter both basically became very famous, mm-hmm. um, almost celebrity style. I mean, we'll talk about Lord Carnarvon in the next episode, but he did die pretty much before the full tomb was ex- excavated. Yeah. Um but Howard Carter did become a very famous man. Um, but what's interesting, um, we'll skip to the end of his life here, just <laughs> because it's, you know... Um, Is this he where was... we bring in the curse? The oh, curse oh, well, come in. I, I mean, I can mention the curse, but <laughs> I don't know if Carter was affected by the curse. Oh, gosh. But when Howard Carter died in 1939, so literally, what, 10, oh, just, just over mm-hmm. 10 years after this, this amazing discovery... Yeah. Um, he actually only had about nine people attend his funeral. Um, he was actually Popular. a bit of a he was a bit of a loner actually. Oh um, despite the fact that he had loads of friends that he would write to and family, he never married. Mm-hmm. Um, he was like a long term bachelor. Um, <laughs> there are suggestions that he might have been gay, but there's literally no evidence in that. There's suggestions that he. Uh, had a relationship with Lord Carnarvon's daughter, Lady Evelyn, but uh, the Carnarvon family strongly dispute that this ever happened. Um, they said Howard Carter was not that kind of guy. He was a very strange character, is what we'd probably call him today. Um, but he basically, even though he was uh, very famous by the time of his death, because of his mannerisms and the fact that he would kind of well, effectively, he just annoyed a lot of people as well. Um, he, by the time of his death, he actually wasn't really remembered 
but right. now we still talk about him, so it's quite strange. And that's crazy because he, he died in 1939, so that's not long after after the discovery of Tutankhamun. So it's not like... I, well, I I think that's still in general knowledge, but actually it's March 1939. There was quite a lot going on at that time, wasn't there? So maybe he was overtaken, but maybe he died of the curse. Yeah. Yes. So we'll talk properly about the curse when we talk about Lord Carnarvon because there's definitely a curse and maybe that is what put Howard Carter's life into a not having any friends because, you know, the curse of Tutankhamun, maybe breaking into that uh, burial chamber without permission, maybe Mm. that's what put the curse on him. He did die of lymphoma, which is is a blood cancer Um, and they do say that when they opened the tomb, because the tomb obviously hadn't been opened for literally centuries, it was quite nox- noxious. It smelled probably horrendous, I couldn't even imagine it. But also just the gases that had been accumulated in the tomb over over literally millenniums. They, um, because the Egyptians, the tombs were to prepare a person for the afterlife so they included everything that they might need whether they were on earth or elsewhere and so they included meats fresh fruits um bathing equipment to wash your body there was loads of herbs and remedies ready for if they were ill again but they were they were dead they might be <laughs> ill again and um so these all these items imagine rotting apples for centuries they must have quite a stench yeah mixed with meat and all the gases and particles that would have gone through yeah and also mixed with the fact there's a dead body in there and organs in jars i know that they were relatively sealed tight because obviously the mummies were embalmed and blah 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 but i imagine that they still had a bit of a smell to them yes i I don't imagine that it was like all no nice um so i imagine that you know, can't have made anyone involved in the excavations very uh, healthy. No. Um, and especially spending quite a lot of your time uh, underground mm-hmm. excavating and um, sorting through objects. I don't imagine that was a very healthy uh, way forward. Um, and also, I know Howard Carter um, actually had a house near the Valley of the Kings, like right on the edge of the Valley of the Kings, so he could be on site all the time and he was like (laughs) very keen. So, you know, I think, um, you know, when we read a lot of stuff, like say Agatha Christie, who wrote a lot about Egypt because she, her husband was an archeologist in Egypt um, during kind of, I guess this period, but also Mm. later, I think, um, I think it was kind of up until maybe the fifties even, I think. and I know, like a lot, there was a lot more illnesses that Brits weren't accustomed to. There was more like, um, you know, like adjusting to that kind of climate. I know Howard Carter had been out there for a long time, but when you're underground and it's really hot and stuff, I can't imagine he lived a very healthy lifestyle. And I also read that he loved whiskey and he loved cigars. So <laughs> he definitely wasn't a healthy bloke. <laughs> a true historic gentleman. But yeah, going back to Agatha Christie though, they they were very good friends and Agatha Christie is known as the queen of crime novels and it is one of her books 
particularly the death of the death on the Nile that was inspired by this era of Egyptian history, but also with the finding of Tutankhamun's tomb that led to absolute tatmania, they called it. And so whether it was through fashion, products, music, the Egyptian era literally took off again in um, popular culture. Agatha Christie obviously wrote, wrote the book, which is now a new film at the moment, recently come out a few months ago, um, of Death on the, the Nile, which is a redo from probably, they, I think they made it in the 70s before yeah. then. Um, and yeah, so the 1920s were then totally really inspired by the, a revival of Egyptian history. Yeah, um, so I know like after, um, so it took them quite a long time to excavate the tomb. So I want to say it was around 10 years mm -hmm. that they actually took for them um, to actually get all the objects out of the tomb um, and like, you know, take the photos and obviously imagine how the photography equipment would have been back in those days. Yeah. It wasn't, you know easy like uploading it to a smartphone and it goes to a computer and then it's catalogue you had to take the photo you know get the photo printed out mm -hmm. um catalogue everything write information about it all by hand it wasn't you know easy like it is now you mm -hmm. can copy and paste something if it was the same object you'd have to write it out again mm -hmm. so it did take them um a really long time to kind of finish excavating the tomb. Mm -hmm. So in this time, obviously, everyone was fascinated by uh, the Egyptian um, era. And obviously, once the excavations had finished as well, I think that they bought exhibitions and stuff um, to London mm -hmm. and um, other areas. And we see, like, kind of other museums creating or, like, you know, trying to get Egyptian objects and stuff yeah. um, because it was such a, like, um, exciting time mm -hmm. um, and it was such a big um, discovery. Um, and I think, like, it must have just been an amazing time because, like, just it hadn't happened before. So it's just so interesting. Well, it had happened. I mean, people had found tombs, um, but they hadn't found one like that. And not so, quite so on a global scale as this. No, it kind of got catapulted everywhere, didn't it? Um, and yeah, it's just incredible. I'm just checking what... Yeah, it was um, after 1932 when they finished excavating the tomb. Um, so they cleared the whole tomb, but I'm pretty certain mm -hmm. they left Tutankhamun's mummy okay. in the burial chamber. Ooh. I might be completely wrong by that, but I'm Ooh, pretty certain we'll we have to look that up quickly um, but <laughs> I'm pretty certain that out of respect they have left his mummy in his tomb mm -hmm. because as we said there's a curse yeah. um, so you can't move his body um, <laughs> and but everything else was cleared from the tomb mm -hmm. and obviously like they had to leave it in a nice state as well they yeah. couldn't just ransack it and leave the tomb <laughs> it had to be left no. Um, because I think if you go to the Valley of the tomb, uh, Kings, I think you can go into tombs. I might be wrong, but I, w when I was watching the documentary, um, I know you they can definitely, visit a few. You can so definitely maybe. visit some. So they, they do leave it so that it's safe um, for people. Um, but yeah, basically, Howard Carter actually retired after this in 1932. Um, 
and obviously as we said he did die in 1939 so I don't think that he necessarily got to see all of the amazing things that happened with um, Tutankhamun. I mean after his death, um, after his retirement he did kind of work as like a dealer for museums and like collectors <laughs> and stuff. He um, did also publish three books about yes. the excavation which were very popular for um, tut, tut fame audiences at the time. And top mania even, and it was with his creativity as an artist. He also, um, personally took took many of the photographs that were that you were mentioning, um, that were to catalogue the artworks. But also, he was known to be quite theatrical, maybe dramatized quite a few, and he took a lot of the first photographs of the excavation and the discovery which today apparently many seem could be a little bit staged. Um, and so he was definitely one for a good story and one for theatrics, which yeah. just about sums up the 20s. Yeah. Roaring and having fun. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, he definitely sounds like an interesting character. Um, and I have just fact-checked, and <laughs> Tutankhamun is the only known royal mummy to remain in his tomb in Egypt. Gosh. Um, so Didn't he... Didn't go anywhere. He is still there. Um, he, I think the curse scared them. So when we talk about Lord Carnarvon, you'll see why the curse scared everyone. Um, because, um, you know, in the 20s, curses were very much still believed. And, yep. you know, there's no other explanation for a spooky death. No. Um, but, yeah, I think Howard Carter is, like, a really interesting character. Totally. Um, and, I mean, recent in recent years, like we said, he's been called a bit light-fingered by taking some of the objects, but he didn't take them to sell them. Um, he kind of took them to give to his to friends <laughs> as gifts and kind of keep as a momentum, which is obviously wrong, but also he wasn't like a grave robber, so um, I don't think it should fully... I think he kind of got slandered by like some mm -hmm. of the Royal Archaeological Society or mm -hmm. something, and it's like, well... It was the twenties, like it, you know. It was a different time. I don't think now it was a different time. <laughs> you know, you get trained now. You know yeah. not to steal stuff from archaeological digs. Um, so I think maybe his lack of training and also just his like absolute interest in Egypt mm. is probably why he ended up taking a few objects. Not because he was doing it in a horrible, snide way. I think it was because he was just so passionate. Mm. Um, and obviously we don't condone that behaviour, um, but I think he should still be remembered as a really great archaeologist. Yeah. Ar I can't even say archaeologist. Exactly. Um, and just like a really incredible story. Mm -hmm. Exactly. He's definitely one of the most inspirational archaeologists that anyone studying archaeology or just has a fascination with history or Egyptology we do still look at him and admire admire his work and what he did, what he discovered. Yes, he is probably the name that everyone really remembers at the time, which is great. And that just shows that his story didn't end with his, with his death. He's still ongoing today. Yeah, and it's really great that people are kind of shedding a light on him, not just Tutankhamun over this uh, centenary of mm -hmm. the discovery, because obviously without Howard Carter... As much as Lord Carnarvon could have thrown some money at it, I don't think that the discovery would have been found without Howard Carter's knowledge of the Valley of the Kings and Egypt and 
just everything that he managed to piece together mm -hmm. led to this discovery. I think yeah. without Howard Carter, uh, it wouldn't have happened. And mm -hmm. al also his really great, like you said, he took all the photos and stuff, mm -hmm. that kind of preservation of yep. the discovery and the excavations has lived on and is what people still look to today. Exactly. Which, without that, I think a lot of people wouldn't have got into archaeology no. or history. Um, and I think considering the time frame it happened mm -hmm. in, it definitely, I would say it's the, the biggest and best discovery of the 20th. 20th century? Absolutely, I would I would agree. I can't think what else would... I do think anything would, else beats yeah. it, I yeah. think. Um, Sutton Hoo maybe in Britain, but then do other countries know about Sutton Hoo? I don't know. Yeah, I think maybe Sutton Hoo is a very yeah. British one, um, whereas, yeah, King Tutankhamun was a worldwide yeah. uh, discovery. And obviously, um, for, you know, for us, it was done by Brits however controversial that might be um it's a little link uh to our um history um which you know a lot of discoveries have been by a lot of discoveries previously in the Valley of the Kings were by mm -hmm. the French so yeah. it's a very international business um yeah, for sure and and he's done two or three world tours so <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> I think he's gone round uh more than, uh, say, Howard Carter yeah. did talking about the tomb or something. Like, you know, everyone wants to actually see Tutankhamun. Exactly. Um, and, yeah, I think... I mean, I think it is a shame of the time frame in terms of definitely got overshadowed by World War Two, um, mm. by the time that things get excavated, which obviously is a shame, but, you know, it happens. Um, and same with kind of Sutton Hoo. Like, that was very much in wartime as well. Yeah. Um, you can't kind of help that um, but I think now it's coming back around I've seen a lot about it um, in the last few weeks on yeah. the lead up um, and yeah in the next few episodes we'll talk about Lord Carnarvon um, we'll talk about Tutankhamun a bit of his who yeah. he was um, and, I and who his successors were as well who, who took over after the boy king Yes, exactly. And we will talk about kind of the aftermath and the impact a hundred years later. Yeah. Because we haven't really touched on that as much. No. Like and it's quite interesting. Like there's I mean, we we mentioned the mummy film already, mm -hmm. so that'll definitely be brought back up. <laughs> um Immortal. <laughs> um but yeah, and yeah, and we'll try and credit some of the books and stuff that we are have research from and um yeah there's some great stuff out there at the moment so um yeah thank you this has been great thank you all for listening um i hope you had a good time thank you rosie for letting me join you that's and... yeah it's great having you um and yeah we'll chat next time uh for the next episode see you all soon get your trial ready we're <laughs> off to egypt again soon <laughs> bye